With Heal, it turns out that home-based primary care is not just easier, more convenient, more safe, more accessible if you're a homebound patient, if you're a nursing home patient, if you're any of those things, but it is actually fundamentally better healthcare. Because? The home or nursing, wherever you live, is the only place a doctor can truly access your social determinants of health. Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I've been a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to another live recording of the Nursing Home Podcast, the podcast that discusses in simple terms what is actually going on in the senior space. We try to decipher the professional jargon and terms in in ways that everybody can understand, whether you're working in the nursing home or in any other senior care setting, if you're looking for care for a loved one, a government regulator, a community liaison, any piece of the, any part of the spectrum, our goal is to make it easier for you to understand from an insider's perspective. And, and for that reason, for that reason, we bring on professionals in the industry, around the industry, to be able to understand what is really going on. So in today's episode, we have uh, the CEO of Heal.com, a very innovative healthcare company. Nick Desai is going to share with us a little bit about some of the innovative solutions that they are doing um, in their company. So, Nick, welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast. Uh, great to be here. Uh, happy to be on, and, and thanks for the opportunity. Sure. It's a pleasure, and we're happy to have you on as well. Um, like I mentioned to you right before we went on, the listeners, the viewers are familiar with, you know, with, with some of the work that we've done on the podcast. They may not have followed everything that your company is doing, but more specifically, can you give us a brief a uh, professional overview of how you got to doing what you're doing right now so they can understand who they'll be listening to for the next few minutes. Yeah, so I'm Nick Desai. I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Heal. Um, and uh, I'm a 50-year-old man at this point, and I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. Uh, I did my undergrad and master's in electrical engineering a long time ago, but in electrical engineering. And since then have created investor-funded uh, high growth startups using technology to improve human life. I'm not a big believer in technology for the sake of technology. I'm a believer in technology that makes it easier for us to live our day-to-day lives, right? A non-heal example of that is Uber, right? Anyone can get anywhere as long as they have a smartphone or Grubhub or Seamless that deliver food to my house or these kinds of services that make my day-to-day life easier. And uh, this is, Heal is my fourth investor-funded startup, but largest and, and most interesting one I think I've built. Um, but I, this is what I've been doing since my mid-20s, and I'm 25 years and, and four startups in. Amazing, amazing. That is awesome. Just got off a call with a client. We were discussing a famous video from Steve Jobs where he said his vision for Apple was not 
to take the latest technology and figure out how to adapt it so that the everyday person can use their technology. It's start the other way around. What is the actual problem? What are the pain points yep. or the potential pleasure points right, of the end user? And then use our unfair advantage, our secret sauce to make yep. that happen. Yeah. Or you know, or give them something they, they never imagined. So, and and it's a, it's a look. It's a, first of all, Steve Jobs was a was a visionary and 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 changed the world. So, I, I don't dare compare myself to him. But I will take an example of the products you're wearing in your ears right now, the AirPods. Right. So, what was the problem? The tangled cords and having to stick it in your phone and it's a hanging and the audio quality and this and that and whatever and. Uh, Apple looked at that and said, "Hey, let's make a portable, dis- you know, device that sticks in the ear that gives very high sound quality that gets rid of all the tangling in the wire and is a small form factor." Now, interestingly, in doing that, they came up with a solution that introduces its own complexities. How often do people lose their AirPods? Right? I, I think the numbers are staggering. It's like thousands and thousands of pairs of these things are lost every day and you got another thing to charge so we've tried to bring the approach of an innovation driven approach to solving the friction and complexity of healthcare especially for seniors um to uh to the healthcare space using technology and innovation to make healthcare easier and more accessible without introducing a new layer of complexities uh for the senior population awesome that is awesome I just talking about AirPods for a second. I wasted way too much time <laughs> researching, um, you know, these types of devices and trying all sorts of stuff. And I don't have an iPhone, um, but I think they have like more than fifty percent market share, which is yeah. crazy. Which is it, crazy. It, and look, I'll tell you what: you don't see them in my ears. They're not. I don't particularly love the product. The problem, the solution is almost worse than the problem for me, right? With the AirPods, I lost them twice. And I'm like, forget this, right? <laughs> and I don't mind the little wire coming out of phone. I'd rather have one less thing to charge. But there are many, many services that you can look at. Again, Grubhub and, and uh, Uber come to mind. Netflix comes to mind, right? That are making a, a life dramatic. My, my parents are in their 80s. My father's 83 years old. and. They are now, during this quarantine, using Zoom to connect with their, or, or WebEx or whatever it is, to connect with their relatives all over the country, all over the world, back in India, right, where they're from. And I think that kind of thing is amazing, right? I think that that's an, a senior living in their house, not able to hug and touch their family members because of COVID, who are keeping in touch with people as far away as the other side of the world. Yeah, and my mom still calls me every time she does a Zoom call. That oh my gosh! I just spoke to my you know parents, and I spoke to, she speaks to her mother, or she spoke to her siblings that they never seen, they never would have connected so frequently and so in person if not for Zoom. They, they never would have connected exactly right. You know, it used to be. I, I remember. I'm, I'm old enough to remember. Not when I had kids. My kids are younger, but it was like everyone would get these postcards made of the pictures of their kids and send them to people's houses. And now it's all done digitally, right? And you just take this iPhone shot and you put it to your text group of your family members and everyone comments on how cute they are and they feel like they're a part of their life, right? Mm-hmm. So again, we've our approach has been that kind of ease and simplicity to the most essential and most complex thing we use in America, which is healthcare. Everybody needs healthcare and yet it's the hardest thing to buy and use in America. Okay, so so let's jump into Hill.com specifically and what the application is. What is the primary problem that the company is addressing and how are they addressing it? Uh, ease of access to quality, timely healthcare at affordable prices. 
right? Uh, it is hard right now with COVID in many states, here in California included, and I don't know what state you're in, but in Massachusetts, Massachusetts in many states around the country, the hospitals and ERs are full and overloaded. Mm-hmm. And even if they're not, and even if they weren't, and even when COVID hopefully subsides with the vaccines and whatever, even if it's not, the hospital is not the right place to go for primary care, right? An average right. ER costs $2,500, an average uh, overnight stay is $14,000, and I don't know anyone who's sitting around thinking, I wanna go to a hospital right now, right? So on the other hand, you have your primary care doctor's offices who are open from 9.30 to 4.30, Monday to Friday, but not holidays. And you have to call and you have to make an appointment and you have to pay for parking and you have to sit in a waiting room next to someone who might not get the COVID vaccine or the measles vaccine nowadays, right? And the billing is complicated. So we decided that the right way to deliver healthcare and remove all of those points of friction, which by the way, consumers hate as well as doctors, right? Doctors hate all that bureaucracy stuff. You don't go to 14 years of school to do bureaucracy and paperwork. You do it to heal people, right? That's why we're called heal because doctors are meant to heal. And we create decided to automate the business process of medicine, liberate doctors to be doctors, and deliver primary, timely, quality primary care to the comfort and safety of your own home, right? Now, one of the important things about that is that when you think about Grubhub and you think about, oh, the food comes to my house from any restaurant I want, that's great, okay? Except that it is still it's in a cardboard box it's a little cold sometimes they forget the extra cheese you wanted on the food or the extra hot sauce or they get the wrong order you have to still put the food in your plates you still have to clean your your table afterwards it's not a full restaurant experience it's close but it's not the same thing with heal it turns out that home-based primary care is not just easier more convenient more safe more accessible if you're a homebound patient nursing home patient, if you're any of those things, but it is actually fundamentally better healthcare. Because? The home or nursing, wherever you live, is the only place a doctor can truly access your social determinants of health, okay? The fall risk, the mildew and allergens, the smoking, the tobacco, the substance abuse, the alcohol, the food insecurities. One in four seniors in America does not always have enough to eat right? And most importantly, what's in the pillbox? Which medications are you prescribed and taking correctly? Which medications are you prescribed and taking that you shouldn't be taking? Which medications are you prescribed and taking uh, or are not taking that you should be taking? Are you using your asthma inhaler correctly? The average senior is on between three and 10 daily medications, right? And each additional medication you take increases the likelihood of uh, medication-related conflict and complication, we're able to see those things. And so we're not just able to solve the friction, but we're able to fundamentally deliver better healthcare because the home environment allows us to create a care plan that is more personal, more precise, and more likely something you as a human are going to use because it takes into account, a doctor can easily say, oh, you know what, you should eat more green vegetables. but when they come to your house, they can understand that maybe you don't can't afford green vegetables, right? All right, okay. Uh, but the point is that that we are able to deliver better care in the privacy and safety of your home, living facility, nursing home, and in a more convenient and better way. So that's fantastic. First of all, that very very complete response, and I appreciate that. I, I want to bring another point. Um, you know, 
uh, another way that this uh, can, this is uh, extremely uh, beneficial. And this is because there are people who try to fool their doctors. They look at their doctors as like the authority figure, and they're going to tell their doctors what they want them to hear, not necessarily what's true. They're going to say, yeah, we take our meds, and of course my house is safe, and there are no fall hazards or risks, and we clean up every day. But when they walk in, and they can do their detective work and see the dishes piled up in the sink and see that the caregiver who's supposed to be there, you know, seven days a week is actually not present because they were out of town for three days and nobody updated. You know, whatever other things are there, you can you can see this in real time. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask the questions that I'm assuming our listeners would want to ask if they had this opportunity to speak with you. And they would say right away a few questions that jump to mind. It sounds almost too good to be true. And the first thing that, that they're going to ask, or I'm going to ask, is which physicians can afford to do this, uh, to come to the house? Are we getting physicians that can't open their own practice? Um, and how affordable can this be? Does insurance cover this? Uh, let, let's deal with some of that, because I, I, I'm sold on the benefit, and I think that that's a no-brainer. Right. So the, the, I'll answer the last question first, because I think it's a very important thing. HEAL is covered by insurance, most Medicare Advantage plans, and straight regular old Medicare, right? For the two-thirds of Americans who have a regular, they're over 65 and they're on Medicare, two-thirds of seniors, sorry, HEAL's covered, okay? You pay your primary care copay, whatever that is, to get primary care. Except we're open 365 days a year, unlike your doctor's office. We're open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., unlike your doctor's office. We're available to you in two hours, unlike your doctor's office, right? All of those things are benefits, but it is affordable. There's no, and many Medicare Advantage plans, if not most Medicare Advantage plans, have no copay for primary care. So if you're on an MA plan, there may be no copay or a small copay. If you're on straight Medicare, there's a small copay. The answer to the second question is doctors and what kind of doctors do this. And there is a myth, right, that we have come to believe as American society. And that is people always talk about great doctors based on the building they work in, right? Oh my God, this doctor's at Brigham and Women's, right? They're so good, I had to wait six weeks to see them, right? People talk about the wait time as if it made the doctor better, right? I'm talking about Massachusetts's Brigham and Women's or Mass General, right? New York, Sloan Kettering or NYU Langone. In California, it's Cedars or UCLA. People, oh, it's so great, it's so hard to get in. I had to pull a string, get a connection to get in. Is that because the doctor's better or because the rent is very high? Is that because the doctor's better or the place has bureaucracy, right? Is that so? And, and there's this myth of the private practice doctor who's running the practice. 80, over 85% of primary care doctors in America now work in large group environments as an employee, right? At some of the places I mentioned, which are great institutions, and I'm not bashing any of them or at Sutter or Kaiser or one of these large group environments, right? They're mm -hmm. not in their homes. They, I'm sorry, they're not working in private practice. They don't know the patients. They don't have that relationship. Now, how do we make this affordable for patients and how do we pay doctors well? Because it turns out that a lot of doctor time and a lot of revenue is lost in bureaucracy and uncollected bills and paperwork, right? You go to the doctor's office, they tell you you have a $12 copay. Now they're chasing you for three months to pay the $12, but you live at a different address than on your driver's license. You never got the bill. 50% of Americans that have bad credit have bad credit because of unpaid medical bills of $200 or less. Most wow. of them 
people have the $200, right? Some don't, admittedly, but many of them do. And they don't know about the bill. Two years ago, I went to buy it. Not two years ago, maybe four or five years ago. I went to buy a new house with my wife. We were having kids and, and I had an unpaid medical bill of $78 from eight years before that. That was a fact my credit, right? I have $78. So when it turns out when we automate these things, we can dramatically lower the cost of delivering care. But it also turns out something else, which is Medicare and the Medicare Advantage plans want there to be value-based care, not volume-based care. The measure of the efficacy of a doctor should not be how many patients they see in a day, but how few patients they see in a day. And how much time, a doctor who spent seven minutes with you in an office where there is that white coat effect. And you can't, yes, doctor, I've quit smoking. Yes, I eat plenty of green vegetables. Yes, I my house is clean. Yes, I'm not falling down the stairs versus doctors in your house, our average first appointment with a senior is 90 minutes long, right? We're sitting with Whoa. you, getting to know you. We meet the caretaker. We meet your adult child. We understand the language barriers. We are able to look in the refrigerator. We're able to understand. We can walk in the house and know there's cigarette smoking, right? We're able to understand those factors, not in a judgmental way, but in a way that allows us to deliver better care to you in the privacy of your home. And what that does is it increases the amount of care you're able to get in the home. So it decreases the chance you're gonna end up in the ER, you're gonna end up in the hospital, and that saves the healthcare system money, and we share in that savings. So we are helping improve your healthcare, and in doing so, we're keeping the cost of healthcare down, and we're able to monetize that, and that's sort of the secret sauce to make deal work. Okay, so you're saying specifically, if you have a doctor um, who's interested in healing, like like you said, that's why they went to medical school, and not to be busy, and and they're not also looking necessarily just to feed their egos and say, look, I have a staff of thirty people working under me, and I have a whole billing, you know, department, and here's my big office. But they're really focused on two things: they want to heal people, and they want to make money, which is nothing wrong with doing that uh, through healing people, and you know, keeping them as healthy as possible, uh, both very, uh, you know, very, you know, two very uh, good goals, and they don't have to be at odds with each other, because, yep. like you said, it, I could be a hospitalist getting paid whatever my two fifty from a year from the hospital, and all I do is I work crazy hours, seeing patients over and over and over and over, and my goal is come in, assess the situation, prescribe course of action on to the next patient quickly and effectively and try not to make too many mistakes. But if you would stop the madness for a moment and actually each one take the time to really understand what's going on and really understand what is going on with this particular patient, the family situation, the social situation, the economical situation. Again, the doctor is not going to be, um, you know, it's not going to be the social advocate for every area of the patient's life. However, you can you can then prescribe something that makes sense. You know, sometimes you'll see a doctor is going to prescribe yeah. someone a medication. They don't even have a way to get to a pharmacy. A doctor who really signs on to the mission of healing, and not just volume, like you said, volume based care, um, and they really want to get to know the patient, which is true about most physicians. A good physician who becomes a physician for the right reason, that is what they want to do. And if they could slow down to understand what's going on and dig deep into 
the entire patient, you know, not just treating the diagnosis, but seeing the full the full patient. Human, understanding the human, treating the patient as a human and not as a patient. Now, how has the how has COVID affected the need for this and the way that you meet the needs of your patients? Well, look, we know this from the first the first, ironically, here now in California, we're having the, the, the biggest surge of COVID in the country, but it started with the biggest surge being in New York, right? And we saw how COVID wreaked havoc through nursing homes and assisted and senior living facilities, right? You have a small group, of, you have a group of people in a small place, one person gets COVID, they're highly susceptible, they're at risk, they're elderly, and they don't have defense, right? And, and we saw the havoc that that wreaks, right? We also are understanding how as, as, as people are aging in America, the one constant that is more true than any other is that people want to stay in their home. They want dignity, right? They want to end up in a hospital, in a hospice, in a, a senior living facility, a skilled nursing facility, or an assisted living facility as a last resort, right? They would rather stay in their home. But even if they are in that facility, they want great health care without exposure, without risk right? Many patients who are in assisted living and, and skilled nursing facilities have transportation limitations, are bed bound, have mental or physical health issues that prevent them from getting to the doctor, have economic or, or demographic issues that prevent them from getting to a doctor. When they go to the doctor, they're taking a significant risk. They are reliant on other people for transportation. They're reliant on other people to help them get there, and they don't like that. Seniors who live their whole life independently now, they want to be independent in their golden years so that they have the dignity, right? But the other thing they need is safe, quality, timely access to care. And what we saw, what we are seeing because of COVID, right, is, of course, I always say this, I get asked this question at least once a day, you know, how has COVID affected the business? The first thing to mention is the scope of human loss of life and the tragedy of nearly half a million Americans that will be, you know, pass away from this uh, disease and its mismanagement here in the U.S. over the next, you know, by mid-January or, or late January is 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 unimaginable, right? It's more people than will have died in World War II, the, the, the greatest battle, you know, the, the most lethal event in, in American history. So, but in that context, what it has done from a business perspective, it is has enabled, it is awakened seniors to the availability of HEAL and the type of care we can provide in house call, in a video telehealth, that quality, timely care does not require an entire day and three bus rides and exposure to other people to get to a doctor. It does not require sitting in your nursing home room or in your living facility room in pain, suffering in silence. Those things are not requisite to getting quality care, either suffering, running to the ER, or wasting time and begging other people to take you to a doctor. Yeah, and talk about a translator and a healthcare advocate. And and a healthcare advocate and not understanding you, maybe not understanding your cultural, you know, this person's ethnic Chinese or Orthodox Jewish or Hindu or Muslim or any other thing. These things affect how we look at medications, how we look at food and medications, how we look at this. Does this person end of life? End of life, right? All of these things mm -hmm. are things we're able to take into account in a very dignified and decent way. So we have been able, our business, 
the demand for services like Heal and Heal in particular have grown substantially because if a family member, right, living in Los Angeles can take care of their elderly parent in New York or Boston or Chicago, using the Heal app to book an appointment, can join by video while the doctor is there in person, all of which is possible with Heal, right? The, the adult child that's taking care of the parent can feel very good that their parent got good care. The parent feels the independence, saying, I want a doctor, so I'm going to hit a button and get one, right? Or I'm going to call an 800 number. My family can come here, or my spouse can come here, or my caretaking can come here only on Thursdays or only on Saturdays. Great, we can deliver a doctor that day, right? So it delivers dignity, accuracy, precision, and timeliness to the overall scope and quality of care we deliver. Got it. Is this intended as to a replacement for a primary care physician, or is this a supplemental service? We, One more time? Your heel doctor is your PCP. Well, so this is not, so like for a lot of telehealth companies, you know, some of them are made for, of course, you go to your PCP for your regular care, but right now you can't, it's off hour or whatever it is. Yeah. So this is like a under the table type of method of providing care. We'll, we'll be up to calling a prescription to CVS because we kind of feel like you might have, uh, I don't know, a strep throat or ear infection. I'm talking about for kids. Um, this is a game changer though. This is replacing, this is what you said in the beginning, but now it's just hitting home for me and I'm sure for others as well, that this is uh, completely changing the way we're delivering care. This is completely, that instead of, run, we're not running to the doctor at all. We're not, none of that. This is your, is it? Okay, so, what, so let me ask, whoa. Okay, a couple questions then. Consistency of care. Is it Uber? Am I getting the local Uber driver or am I getting Dr. Smith? So, so here's the answer to that question. First of all, we're your family doctor and we're your doctor, right? And the continuity of care is a critically important part of that, right? Mm -hmm. Before I even get to that, let's talk about these telemedicine services you mentioned, right? We call that, I use, when I have to travel away from my three young kids, I use FaceTime to talk to them, right? And see them and feel close to them. It's not this, you know, I'd rather be home with them, but I'm FaceTiming with my kids and it's extension of the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Telehealth as a standalone service, your doctor is closed, so you're going to talk to this service who's going to send you a prescription for a three-day supply of whatever based on 10 minutes. That's sort of like chat roulette and talking to a random stranger, except about your health, right? That person has no idea of the context of your life, and they don't care. It's a transactional, triage-oriented business. We are relationship-based primary care. You see a heal doctor. If you like that doctor, you pick that doctor as your PCP, and you see that doctor for all of your scheduled care. The same doctor comes back to your house. The same doctor talks to you by telehealth, by video. The same doctor, so they know you. Now, if you wake up one Saturday morning and you have food poisoning or the flu or whatever the case may be, and you need urgent care, your doctor doesn't work 365 days a year. They need time off too. So what do they do? You hit the heal button and another doctor might take the call for that urgent care need right? It's the best of both worlds because your primary care doctor might know you and have a relationship with you. That itself is going away with the hospitalist models you mentioned. But even if they did, they're not always available. And then they send you to an urgent care or telehealth that doesn't know you, right? In our case, okay, so you need that urgent care? Well, that other doctor is also not seeing 40 patients a day. 
There's also, so they have the time to spend with you. They have your whole health history available to you. It's the same service. They can look at your records. They can look at your health history. They can look at the notes from the previous doctor. They can leave notes for your regular doctor. And so it's always a continuity building experience in which you and your patient, you are connected to your care team, you're connected to your doctor, and you're connected through one service, one button, one touch access to the care you need. Got it. Fascinating. First of all, I love from a marketing standpoint, I love that you press the hill button. <laughs> you know, and that's all it is. It's as simple as that. The hill. Now, can seniors live longer in their homes and delay having to be admitted to, in a more permanent way to a long-term care setting because of hill? And how so? So, so look, one of the hidden costs in the U.S. healthcare system is that if people move into assisted living, nursing home, and inpatient, lengthy inpatient stays in a hospital environment, as frequently as is happening now, there's no amount of money available that will not bankrupt the healthcare system, right? We have to keep people at home, and people want to stay at home, right? Now, mm -hmm. more, more people are living with their adult children, et cetera. You know, when I was a kid and it was like 23 and you lived at home, you were like this nerd, nerd and people. Well, now everyone who's 23 lives with their parents, right? So it, it's coming back more to the Eastern cultures and what happens in, you know, I, I, places like Israel and India and, and the Far East and parts of Europe, right? But in that environment, seniors want to stay at home, right? My parents, my in-laws, they keep me in my house. I don't want to go to one of these facilities, right? If you can get quality, timely primary care from a qualified doctor who knows you at your home and they're available to you and urgent care is available to you, we also have a remote monitoring platform to track vital signs on chronic disease patients. As diagnostics and as pharmacological and non-invasive care becomes more and more available, cancer treatments are so much more about you take pills more than infusions. There's no less surgeries, right, for, for cardiac care. It's take a statin, it's not get a bypass, right? As more and more of these things become the norm and the standard of care, I mean, statins are the norm and standard of care, but more advanced diagnostics, more pharmacological-based treatments, more out, uh, out, even now we're seeing people get shoulder surgeries in their home by the, that evening, right? In that, in that context, people, the more capable care becomes in the home, we are more valuable to keeping people in the home, which is for the benefit of the patient, for the benefit of their family, for their longevity, but also dramatically better for the healthcare system from a cost perspective. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, I think the short answer is that, yes, they will be able to stay in their homes longer. Yes. Um, the physicians will probably be able to see a decline in their health much more accurately and much sooner when they're actually in the home, as opposed to a 15-minute window, if you're lucky, in the, in the doctor's office, you know, is sitting on the, whatever, on the, on the table over there, the butcher paper, um, you know, together with the adult, you know, decision maker or whoever it is. So that's, that's one factor. And the, and the other factor is like you're saying, you know, you have the ability to monitor them. Um, there, there also, there's a, there's an anxiety element, which also makes people, I have to go to the emergency room because I might be dying. Right. Now we could bring that to you. Well, and, and here's the thing, here's the thing about that, right? That, that, 
that anxiety comes. I was just talking with an executive at a huge hospital here in Southern California yesterday, and they were talking about how people who are suffering from COVID, they're on oxygen, they have the oxygen tanks at their house, and then they get over COVID, but they don't want to give up the oxygen tank. What if I need it again, right? It's, but that panic mechanism comes from a shortage. Why are people hoarding toilet paper, right? Because I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea, but there's a perceived shortage. Somehow COVID causes me to need more toilet paper. I don't know. But it any, any kind of anxiety comes from a perceived shortage or lack of availability. The first time a doctor comes to your house on a Sunday, and they came within two hours, and it was a great experience, go. I can get this. So I don't, I won't run to the ER for every little thing. I'll call my doctor and I know that they're available to me. I'll call this service and I know I'll call heal and I know it's available to me, right? That reduces that anxiety effect. But also let's talk about longevity, right? And you mentioned decline in health, right? There's date, reams of data that shows that people are healthiest, not in isolation, but when they're in their home around there, these are elderly people and their children and their grandchildren and they have stimulation and activity. It keeps them wanting to be alive. They don't just give up hope. They're not sitting alone in a nursing home watching TV reruns, hope, wait, hope, you know, just waiting for death. They're actually living their life, right? They're more likely to stay adherent to medications. They're more likely to make an effort to improve the quality of, of uh, to improve their health to improve the quality to stay alive they don't they're not just living they're not just staying alive they're actively living they're right? not in waiting unfortunately you come to a nursing home that's yes they're, know, not, they're just waiting they're actively living their life right and so we cannot only we know this for cognitive decline we know this for alzheimer's we know this for dementias that the more stimulation the more loved ones the more physical contact you have around you on a regular basis the more you are able to keep up your mental faculties the more you're able to not only are we able to keep people in their home longer and that reduces cost and see their decline but we're able to help them reduce the speed and 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 severity of that decline i'm just noticing the time and to see how long we're going here but i i can't let you go i have two more questions for you just so you're making my mind race here um number one is where is is hill available in all areas or is it only in large cities it is not only in large cities but it is in select markets we're launching market by market we're available in new york city in new jersey um in northern virginia and washington dc in atlanta georgia um in seattle washington and throughout california we're launching four new markets early next year um they're not all giant cities, but we want to get everywhere around the country. We're just not everywhere yet. Got it. What about Boston? We're, we're getting going to get there. That's not one of the markets we're launching in January, but we're coming there very soon. Okay. All right. Let me know. Will do. Um, uh, the, next, the next question really is what you're kind of hinting at right now is what's, the, what's your vision for Hill.com? What's the end game? Look, my, my oldest son is six years old. He's almost seven. And I, I always say that I don't think he's ever going to have to learn how to drive a car because I think by the time he's 16, services like Uber and self-driving cars will be so de rigueur that just he's never going to have to learn how to drive a car, right? Just as he doesn't know what a blockbuster video store is, right? Frankly, he doesn't know what a DVD is, right? He just, he hits buttons on his iPad and stuff shows up. In the same way, I think that five to 10 years from now, if Heal has succeeded, people are going to look at going to the doctor's office as 
arcane and as dated as they look at going to a blockbuster video. It's just something we used to do and we don't do anymore. Primary care belongs at home and we want to be your family doctor in your family room. And that's what success is to us. That is fantastic. I mean, this is going back to how care was delivered historically by the local doctor, except yep. that we're, you're applying today's modern sophistication to that, to that vision and providing them the tools that they can be used the whole uh, support and strength of today's modern uh, medical miracles that we have and that we can perform and bringing that to the home. And, and it used to be true of so many things, right? Groceries, you know, when I was a young kid, and again, this goes back to the early 70s, but the Altadena dairy guy would pull up at our house and leave the little six glass jars of milk. And then we would put the things out with the old jars and they take them back. And guess what? That's coming back because technology is enabled removing the friction so that retail is more expensive than delivery. I mean, we don't have to look farther than Amazon, right? They're able to bring anything to my house cheaper, except with healthcare, there's a specific and unique advantage to bringing it to your house, right? The milk is not better because it came to your house. It's just easier, right? Heal is actually better because it comes to you. Well, and we know that post-COVID, hopefully that era comes really soon. But whatever the world's going to look at, we look at our homes and the community as different entities more than ever before. And we see our homes as a safe space, and we want it to remain that way. And look, I'll just, I'll paint a broad stroke here as a, as a closing comment, right? First of all, uh, thank you for the time. And if anyone's interested, please go to heal.com. It's heal, like to heal your body, H-E-A-L.com. It's extremely simple. Heal.com on the web. We're on the App Store and the Android Store. But um, I, I think that these kinds of heal is one in a category of services. I was thinking about this last night because my wife and I uh, were, were in the car and we wanted to pick up some cheesecake. It's the holidays. I'm off my diet. We wanted to pick up some cheesecake. So we went to the local, the, the, the mall where the cheesecake factory is. And I was like, oh, she's going to wait in the car, right? So I'm going to run and get the cheesecake. And, and it, there's this whole pull-up area that they've had to design for all the Grubhub and Teamless and all these people over there to pick up food, right? Well, think about what that really means longer term. You don't need parking lots as much as you need waiting areas, right? You don't need these giant parking structures. You don't need all these office buildings to house all these doctors because they're going to come to your house. It can be places we can plant trees, right? Help save the planet. Return more land to its original state. Help the ecosystem, right? So there's a real societal transformation that can come. We see so many cities now, New York City, parts of Los Angeles, all over Europe where they're re-greening and they're taking major highways and just making them into parks because they don't need the highways because of these services, right? So I think there's a real opportunity for these kind of services to have an immediate impact, a medium-term impact, but a broader societal impact as well. Well, well, that's definitely with broad strokes. And but this is this is something that's actually happening. Well, thank you very much, Nick, for coming on the Nursing Home Podcast. I definitely appreciate you taking some time sharing a little bit of the vision and really the how-tos of how Hill.com actually does work and how we can benefit from it as a society and for sure in the healthcare continuum. Um, to listen to this podcast episode, you can head on over to the nursinghomepodcast.com. This episode, as well as all previous and future episodes, are hosted there. Um, and also, if you're interested in, in learning more about Heal, 
uh, head on over to heal as in getting better, H-E-A-L.com. So thank you, Nick, so much for joining the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was a great pleasure. Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.